0: Go on and, and, and fly away, babe. Just be free. He was clearly an innovator. He was cocky. He had a great haircut. We didn't really have that much money. We only just really had enough to feed ourselves.
1: I think George, it wasn't his ambition to be in the Beatles for his whole life. You see if
0: you pictures and read articles about you know, George Harrison, you don't realise that it's actually about yourself. It's like a marriage. You love each other, but you're getting fed up. We knew that he was peaking. George liked to surround himself with people that were good at something. <laughs> he'd mortgaged his house to put up the money for this movie because he wanted to see it, which is still the most anybody's ever paid for a cinema ticket. Well, we got to do something, you know, with our lives. He comes in to me because he'd been to India again, I think. He said, oh, I've got this song. I think we shared. A lot of tastes, cars or clothes, and women, obviously. I was being treated like the Messiah or something. Mr. Chapman shot Chap- John Lennon.
2: You know, if someone said you can have everything in five lifetimes or you can have a really intense one, he would have said, give me the one, I'm not coming back here.
0: People always say I'm the Beatle who changed the most, but really that's what I see life is about. You have to change.
3: I and
4: figure out what it is inside that starts all this tension. Where's it
0: coming from? I don't know, no idea, otherwise I could control it. They used to say that's a way to get rid of tension is if you can try to sit down and think exactly where it where is is it in your from. stomach or what gives you that wave <laughs> that makes it so timeless. Well, is it? Uh, first, it's simple, you know, and the repetition. You know, really. Producer Lorne Michaels almost convinced George Harrison to tour again for only $3,000.
1: <laughs> well, we gave it a sh.
3: Oh, hoo-hoo. this is a big one. It's it's funny that, you know, I talked about Nina Simone last night, and tonight I'm talking about one of the Beatles, George Harrison, because George Harrison wasn't just a musician. He was also a film producer. He was the one who bankrolled to get um, Monty Python's film off the ground. He paid for it. He also produced Time Bandits, which is a really great film. A weird film, but a great film. Welcome to the Dr. Seuss Film Podcast. Um, but if you're like me and, you know, your parents played the Beatles and you you obviously knew who George Harrison was. He was called the Quiet Beetle when really he was the Funny Beetle. <laughs> um, very introspective, very... He was born today, 80 years ago, February um, 25th. Nineteen forty three in Liverpool, England, and died on November twenty ninth, two thousand one, at the age of fifty-eight of uh, brain cancer. Um he was he was the uh he was the young one. You know. Um his earliest influences were George uh Formby, Dang uh was it Django, Reinhardt, Hart, Carl Perkins, Chad Atkins, and Chuck Berry. Hmm. He also was big into Dylan and the birds and Indian music and Indian philosophies. And his wife has said in Martin Scorsese's Living in a Material World, which was this wonderful documentary about George Harrison and his life and his death and how the night he died, the room glowed because he had been preparing for his death for it 30 years. Because he would always, you know, he would uh, chant and he would do what he needed to do, and he, and he arrived. But you know, and we all miss him, and mm. I wouldn't say the quiet Beatle. It what was smart abo- about George Harrison was, is that you know when the Beatles broke up, y- you have to understand. So he's getting maybe two songs in per album. You know, whether it's um, Within You or Without You or um, Blue Jay Way, which is, oh my God, that's such a great song, or uh, Tax Man. But he he would get, you know, two songs in per album. And he had been stockpiling these songs so that when Lennon, McCartney, Starr, all put out their solo albums. They were solo albums. All right. George Harrison put out a double album. A double album. He had been stockpiling so many songs. It was called All Things Must Pass. And um, it gave him the distinction as being the first to have a number one as an ex-Beatle. He was the first. All things must pass was such an iconic, gigantic album. I mean, the songs in All Things Must Pass. I mean, All Things Must Pass. Beware of darkness. One of my personal favorites was just What Is Life? Uh, Apple Scruffs. Wow, um, wow, oh, that's such a great song. Um, my sweet lord, uh, you know, and um. And and it was produced by Phil Spector, you know, the the Wall of Sound, and later George wasn't happy with it because well Phil would overdo it, um, with the overdubs. Um. But yeah, yeah. And then he did the concert for Bangladesh. Because he wanted to raise awareness of what was going on. That album. Became a gigantic hit. It won him a Grammy for Album of the Year. You know. um, The first for an (laughs) ex-Beatle. So, you know, to be in that gigantic group, the Beatles. And he was young. He was very, very young. And the rest of them were like, what is this? (laughs) But, But Paul knew him. You know, um, say what you will about Paul McCartney. Um, he means well. He means well. And, um, but yeah, he brought, he brought George in and um, said to the rest of them, well, he's kind of young and, <laughs> but he played raunchy and he, that's how he impressed the Beatles. Oh my goodness. Just think if we had not had that. I mean, the films that he produced, Woo. And then the album, Living in the Material World. Of course, this is years before Madonna. (laughs) Uh, In fact, I think he produced an album, a a film that she did, Shanghai. Was it Shanghai Surprise? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Ah, ha, 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 ha. In 1973, Peter Sellers introduced Harrison to Dennis O'Brien, Soon after, the two went into business together in 1978 to produce Monty Python's Life of Brian. They formed the film production and distribution company Handmade Films. Their opportunity for investment came after EMI Films withdrew funding (laughs) at the demand of their chief executive, Bernard Delfont. Harrison financed the production of Life of Brian, in part by mortgaging his home, which Idol later called the most anybody's ever paid for a cinema ticket in history. The film grossed $21 million at the box office in the U.S. The first film distributed by Handmade Films was *The Long Good Friday in 1980, and the first they produced was Time Bandits, a co-scripted project by Monty Python's Terry Gilliam, Gilliam and Michael Palin. The film featured a new song by Harrison, Dream Away, in the closing credits. Time Bandits became one of Handmaid's most successful and acclaimed efforts. With a budget of $5 million, it earned $35 million in the U.S. within 10 weeks of its release. Harrison served as executive producer for 23 films with Handmade, including A Private Function, Mona Lisa, Shanghai Surprise, With Nail and I, How to Get Ahead in Advertising, he made a cameo appearance in, in several of these films, including roles in nightclub singer in Shanghai Surprise, for which he recorded five new songs. According to Ian Inglis, Harris's executive role in handmade films helped to sustain British cinema at a time of crisis, producing some of the country's most memorable films of the 1980s. Mm. Following a series of box office bombs in the late 80s and executive debt incurred by O'Brien, which is guar- guaranteed by Harrison, Handmaid's financial situation became precar- precarious. The company ceased operations in 1991 and was sold three years later to Paragon Entertainment, a Canadian corporation. Afterwards, Harrison sued O'Brien for $25 million for fraud and negligence, resulting in an $11.6 million judgment in 1996. Oh my goodness. <coughs> And then, of course, Hinduism. Um, by the mid-1960s, Harrison had become an admirer of Indian culture and mysticism, introducing it two other Beatles during the filming of Help in the Bahamas. They met the founder of Shingivana Yoga um, between the end of the last Beatles tour in 1966 and the beginning of Sgt. Pepper. He made a pilgrimage to India with his first wife, Patty Boyd. There, he studied sitar with Ravi Shankar. Met with several gurus and visited various holy places. In 1968, he traveled with the other Beatles to Rishikesh in northern India to study med- meditation with the Maharishi Mahash Yogi. Say that five times fast. <laughs> oh my goodness. He was a. Uh, was he a vegetarian? I think he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, you know everyone knows about um, his ex-wife and the songs that she inspired, including his songs and his friend Eric Clapton. And he later married his his wife uh, Olivia and uh, L- Olivia Harrison, and they had a son Danny, who is the spitting image of George Harrison. He even sounds like him. So eighty years ago, the Quiet Beetle was born. Now, I wouldn't necessarily call him the Quiet Beetle. I think <laughs> you know, reporters reporters sometimes have to just put it to sleep. Um of course, everyone remembers the footage when they arrived at New York and and the reporter's like, What do you think of the press who says you're nothing but a bunch of British Elvis Presley's? It's not true, it's not true. So yeah, they were having they were having fun. Um <laughs> But I highly recommend Living in a Material World, the Martin Scorsese documentary about George Harrison. Of course there also is the concert for George, where everyone got together. Everybody from Eric Clapton to um, Tom Petty to Paul McCartney—they uh, all came together to celebrate George. Monty Python—they all came together, and here at the Doctor Zeus Film Podcast, I mean, come on—I was raised on the music of the Beatles, and then the films. You think of Time Bandits. I—I've always told people to watch Time Bandits because it's—it's it's such a peanut butter and jelly. Kind of film. <laughs> now, I mean, I mean, people are probably like, "What do you mean by that?" You know, because I have a weird way of saying things. Peanut butter and jelly kind of film. Well, it is. It is a peanut butter jelly kind of film. It's a weird film. Um, but it's a good. It's a good film. <laughs> I mean, it's it's got a crazy cast, and you know, there's a lot going on, and. What else? What else are you gonna do? You know what I mean. Oh, it's been a long day. It's been a productive day, you know. I, but I knew when I woke up that I was gonna talk about George Harrison. I knew because you know we we talked about Nina Simone, and of course I I am gonna talk about George. Um. I I unfortunately did see Shanghai Surprise and it was not interesting. <laughs> but you know, we we all have hits and misses along the way. And um life itself is not perfect. And George Harrison knew that. This is this is a guy who was only getting in two songs per album as a Beatle and as a solo artist, he thrived. Here we go. This is the meeting.
0: We needed a good guitar player. Both uh, John and I play a bit of guitar, but we couldn't really solo. We weren't that good. And I said, I know this guy. He's a bit young, but he's good. Uh, John said, well, you know, let's meet him. He's come on. So I, I said to George, you want to go meet these guys? I'm in a group with, you know, so yeah. So he brought his guitar and we were on the top deck of a double decker bus in Liverpool around where John lived, a place called Wilton. And nobody was on the bus late at night. And uh, John said, well, go on and let's see you play to so George. I said, go on, go on get your guitar. On. So George unpacked his guitar, got it out, and he played this thing called raunchy
3: so that's paul mccartney talking about his good friend george harrison um George himself actually acted. Here he is in a cameo in the Ruttles. All you need is cash. There was,
1: there was Jimmy Glimmer, the Wallacey Warbler. And there was Vera Pickles, the singing granny. A large frog. There have been continued allegations that Ruttle Corps is going bankrupt. Eric Manchester, the Ruttles press agent, are these allegations true? No, no. No, they're, uh, they're conjecture, you know. They're, they're sort of rumour. I think you find the way you get success, you'll always find this sort of rumour. No. So the stories of the thefts they're not true also? Uh, no, they're greatly exaggerated, greatly exaggerated. Uh, it's bad, you know. Things are going. But uh, nothing like the rate that, that people indicate. The trouble is that people feel that because, because these boys are the Russians, people can come in and just help themselves to whatever they want. And this is just not on. And we're putting a stop to this, and we are doing, you know. It, it, it's almost dried up. Uh, things have gone. I won't deny it. Television sets. The odd car belonging to the company has, uh, has disappeared. But, uh, it's not extreme, you know. I did come in once. I find that my office had been nicked. Mm-hmm. But it had been nicked by, uh, by Ron Klein, who we called in to stop this sort of, uh, flow. So once you see this stopped, do you feel that Ruddle Cole will continue into the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. Up in the water. We've put a stop to this sort of bit of petty pilfering. Ruttlecore will last for a very, very, very. For a while, three chapters of the Redditch Hells Angels lived in the basement at Ruttlecore before Stig had the nerve to ask them to leave. Who hurt Stig? One of the girls. Who? Big Valerie. We're very upset, but
0: there's not much we can do about it. Why not? Well, thump me.
1: So, Stig injured by Big Valerie. <laughs> uh,
3: of course, that reporter is Mr. George Harrison. This is Danny Harrison talking about his father's legacy. legacy.
1: I know that's a big... That, that you do so much work to take care, to preserve his music, to make sure that it's presented properly. It's a, it's labor, it's of a labor of love. And, you know,
4: I we made music together. We talked a lot about stuff. And, you know, this whole thing, which happened, you know, ten years after we'd done... The Dark Horse years, which was kind of like our Star Wars four, five, and six, and then right. we had to go back and do one, two, and three. Um, uh, <laughs> it was, you know, it's been 14 years. I mean, since well, 13, since my dad died this year, and, and we've been, you know, this has all been in a uh, in my head uh, with dad. You know, uh, thinking about it for so long that it's really great to see it sitting on your desk and to just have the fun bit, which is going out and playing some music and this is absolutely fantastic. Hanging out with this is a beautiful
1: piece of work. Yeah, for Years. You were told me someone told me that uh, that you were skateboarding around town yeah, but... here in Los Angeles. Uh,
4: Dad actually came back in 1987 from when he got the last one of these. And uh, I never told you this, but I broke it. Uh, and I glued the bit back in, but no one noticed. Um, he made a, a great... Uh, well, actually, Mick made a great speech in, in 87 uh, where he referred to the Beatles as the four-headed monster And uh, when they were all inducted. And uh, he told me lots of great stories my dad about that night. And um, I'd just like to say thanks to all of his mates, you know, who he'd love to see, Uh, all the guys for coming and playing, and uh, to the Hall of Fame for, you know, having him in again. And, um, yeah, to everyone who's ever liked his music, good on you. Cheers. Here I
2: go again. I could talk about George you know, forever, but uh, I won't. There was a quote by the Indian poet Tagore that George read to me one day. He said, blessed is he whose fame does not outshine his truth. And here we are in the Hall of Fame. But the inductees are not chosen because of their fame, but because they express their truth through their music. George said that he tried to write songs that would uh, still mean something years from now. And I think it's safe to say that in spite of his immense fame, his truth will never be outshined or forgotten. If he were here, you know, he'd get a kick out of tonight, he'd be wanting to see everybody and party. But um, there probably would be a lot of people that he would thank. And, uh, you know, if you think of his, the, the span of his entire career, uh, there would just be so many people who are in this room tonight that he may want to mention. But I'm going to mention one uh, that I'm sure of, and it's the person in this room that George knew the longest in his life, that he met behind the air raid shelter when he was sneaking off to have his Siggy in school. And someone who looked after him and all of them, from the time they were 13 to, for George, the end of his life. And that's the mysterious Neil Aspinall. Thank you, Neil, for holding it together for all these years because really the whole phenomenon might not have happened to stay together as long as it did without him. You know, he helped us, he's helped his family, and, and George loved him dearly, and, and, uh, and many of you as well. So, thank you very much, and let's let I'll George's music yeah. speak for itself. Huh.
3: That is from the 2004 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction where George Harrison was inducted for the second time. Mm. In fact, all Four Beatles are in the Hall of Fame for their solo contributions as well as together. And it was at that Hall of Fame I'm not going to play it where they did um uh a ver- they did uh while my guitar gently weeps and very famously Prince who was inducted that same year did a guitar solo that um is just mind-blowing. I mean I I think we all forget how good Prince was as a guitar player and and he really showed his love for the Beatles. You know, P- Prince was a musicologist. He was this this collector of music and was obviously influenced by them as well as Hendrix and um so yeah, uh George Harrison what a life, what a long career um but yeah if he were around today i mean he'd be 80 years old and uh, and keep in mind he was the young he was the baby beetle (laughs) because you know john was john and ringo were the eldest and paul was i think um maybe a year older than george (sighs) you know the guitar player that's what he was because you know Paul and George and John couldn't solo but George could <laughs> oh my goodness yeah it's pretty interesting um uh, his legacy is um unparalleled you know, you can't really call him the Quiet Beetle. You can't. You can call him George Harrison, one of the Beatles. He's pesky allergies. Um, what's intriguing, and, and I hope all of you watch, living in the material world, I mean, it's it's just a whole bevy of Stories and footage and um, a labor of love to mm, show the world this magnificent artist. The documentary earned two Primetime Emmy Awards, Outstanding Nonfiction Special and Outstanding Direction for Nonfiction Programming for director Martin Scorsese. it really is it's a it's a labor of love and um starts off him talking about his birth uh while uh, all things must pass plays so yeah but i wanted to talk about um you know his passing was very interesting because this was Oh, jeez, this was, I think, uh, two months after nine eleven. And The country was just a mess. A mess. Everyone was grief-stricken, and here one of the Beatles, whom we all loved, was, was gone. And it was poignant because, you know, people started playing Here Comes the Sun and how music really brings everyone together and, and that's what um that's what he did but i'm trying okay here we go okay harrison died at a property belonging to mccartney on heather road in beverly hills in los angeles He was 58 years old he died in the company of olivia danny shankar and uh, and the latter's wife sakana and daughter ashuka um The final message to the world as relayed in a statement by Olivia and Danny was, Everything else can wait, but the search for God cannot wait and love for one another. He was cremated at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and his funeral was held at the Self-Realization Fellowship Lake Shrine in Pacific Palisades, California. His close family um, scattered his ashes, according to Hindu tradition, in a private ceremony in the Ganges, Yamana rivers near India. He left almost 100 million in his will. His final recording was 2002's Brainwashed, released posthumously. He went on to receive a uh, best instrumental performance at the 2004 Grammys for Mara Blues from the album Brainwashed. Mmm. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, you read all this, you think of all the people that he worked with. and um, But at the end of the day, it's about the songs. And he was cheeky. He was smart to stockpile those songs for the entire duration of the Beatles so that when... All Things Must Pass came out. You know, I've told friends before, you know, you look at, okay, Paul puts out the solo album. George puts out, or Ringo puts out his solo album. John puts out his solo album. And what does George do? George puts out a double album. (sighs) All Things Must Pass. So, 80 years of George Harrison. I wouldn't call him the Quiet Beetle, I would call him the funny beetle the um oh jeez i had the word and then i and then i forgot it and um <laughs> oh jeez uh, uh it's it's been a long day usually my brain kind of ah ha ha, ha ha he was unconventional he was unconventional because he did things he said things that he meant, and um, you know, if you watch the documentary, you'll see that. And but what intrigued me at most was his wife saying how he would pre- he prepared for death for thirty years in the style of um, the Hinduism that he had learned, and so that's why when he died, the room glowed. So as always, unpleasant dreams.